Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. I'm Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Joe. Good evening, Charles. Joe, we've we've waited up for this because 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is basically 9 p.m. our time, cut day, it's official, all the cuts are in, we can talk about it, that most holy of days. Yeah, I, I am a bit concerned though, because we always do this, we always do the show just after cuts day is finished, and then some news story breaks either during the show or just after the show, and then you have to do one of those re-records where it's like Poochie died on the way to his home planet, <laughs> and <laughs> try and edit that into the show, so hopefully we've seen all of it now, but uh, who knows if there's anything else that we're going to just miss the cut off for the show for. Earn your check, beat reporters, that's what I say, if you can't get that information out <laughs> now and quick smart, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, Rappaport, sort it out. So yeah, it's cuts day, and... Cuts day is always interesting, gives you an idea which direction the team's going in, gives you an idea with what's been happening in training camp, certain players, etc, etc. There's been no, I'd say, what you call kind of kind of catastrophic cuts uh, for players, no, you know, really kind of bolt up the blues like we have seen in prior years. But there have been a few kind of interesting ones, a few ones which uh, are interesting for just from purely football reasons, some which is just interesting for other reasons, let's put it that way. But do you want to go for a few, Chaz? Yeah, I mean, let's start with the Cardinals because you're absolutely right. There's no what you would call marquee players that have been dropped out of nowhere. But I think the drop of Colt McCoy from the Cardinals certainly sends a signal to what the Cardinals' ambitions are this year. And I just, I I personally find it fascinating because I remember us sitting here, what was it, last year, the year before, talking about what? joining the Cardinals and the hype that that got. And I remember at the time you were saying, look, what great player, but is he going to change the fate of this languishing team? We've criticized Murray a few times on the podcast in terms of his lack of ability to go through his reads. But this is a team that had DeAndre Hopkins, had what, had Murray, were making waves talking about you know making playoffs pushing deep in playoff runs and here they are dropping colt mccoy their quarterback what are they going out with this season joe well i just want to say and just while we're touching on this you may remember a couple of years ago i did a uh, draft preview for basically every single team in the draft it took me forever that's why i only did it once maybe i'll do it again sometime in the future but I'd have to be, you know, in Jeremy Kyle time or something like that. But basically, the only heat that I got in doing those shows was from Cardinals fans saying that I didn't know what I was talking about because I said they should take a corner back in the first round because they were all in and they were going to win Super Bowl that year. And so I'm quite kind of smug slash um, (laughs) vindicated with what I was saying back then. But look... The fact that Colt McCoy, is, who I think was projected probably at the start of the summer to perhaps be the starter for the Cardinals going into the season, has been dropped and just no one really cares. I think it just shows where the Cardinals are right now. Every summer, there's always in the offseason that player who's injured, who will he, will he not be ready for the start of the season? What's going on with him? You know, it's it's happened so many times. I've, I think like a few years, you had David Johnson when he had the, the uh, broken arm. You had Michael Thomas. You had all these type of injuries. It's been Adrian Peterson in the past as well, where it's just been a talk of the offseason. You'd think, you know, going back a couple of years ago, a quarterback like Kyler Murray recovering from, it, it was what, an ACL kind of uh, injury they had. 
that people would care about it, that that, that would be the chat. No one's talking about Kyler Murray. No one seems to be that bothered about whether it's going to be week two, week four, week six, or beyond. Look at the trades that the Cardinals are doing. I mean, the Isaiah Simmons trade, it almost feels like they're tanking already. And the fact that Colt McCoy has been cut, won't be their quarterback going into the new season, and no one's really batting an eyelid, I think just shows how low this Cardinals team are. Like, I think you've got to put them bottom three in the whole league. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think, you know, as we go through this list of players that have been cut, uh, there's a number of reasons why a player can be cut. Salary cap is certainly one of those. Ability, depth of position is another. Certainly in the case of Colt McCoy, there's no fear of of salary here for the Cardinals. So this is purely a move because either A, they think Colt McCoy has literally nothing he can offer the team, or probably more accurately B, they have no interest in winning games at the moment. Well, what I find interesting, just a little kind of sub-story with this, is when Colt McCoy was signed by the Cardinals last year to back up Kyler Murray, like... Bear in mind here that it's not like he's just come in this offseason and he was like, you know, trying out for a start job. He's been with a team for over a year now. And when he was bought in, uh, there was a whole lot of talk about it because Kyler Murray basically looked up to Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy was, you know, a college legend for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, you know, will go down in history as probably one of their greatest quarterbacks ever. He was the man around Texas. That kind of, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, that kind of era, he was the alpha quarterback in Texas. And if you were a young player then, you know, he's who you looked up to. Kyler Murray looked up to Colt McCoy, and he was pretty excited about having him on the team. The fact that, you know, they've just forgotten all about that now and forgotten all about that quarterback room. I think it speaks volumes. Don't get me wrong, the quarterback who will be starting for them, Joshua Dobbs. We spoke about him on the show previously before. He was drafted by Pittsburgh. He looked exciting. He's a kind of dual threat type quarterback, can use his legs. I personally felt a couple of years ago that he probably should have been given a chance when Roethlisberger was clearly just running on fumes. Look, he's with the Cardinals now. I don't think he's going to be terrible. I will say that. I, I, I don't think that they're tanking necessarily from a quarterback perspective I think I've put Dobbs in an unenviable position in that he's coming into a team what week three of preseason and basically has to be ready for week one of regular season even if you're familiar with the offensive coordinator which he is that's not a lot of time so um, he's set up to fail here really but he's a play with potential and a play with talent so you know don't be surprised if he does make a few good plays has a few good games yeah, I think that's it, because you're right, he is set up for fail also because they don't have the cast around him for him to succeed. Like, this is not no. a star-studded team. But maybe because there is literally no expectation on him and no, you know, he's not going to be under the bright lights of let's analyze every single mistake he makes, maybe he finds success in that kind of freedom to play and that uh, ability to test stuff out because he's, he's really just sort of on borrowed time, essentially. Uh, yeah, look, when Colomari's fit, then Colomari will go back into that team. I don't foresee a situation in which Joshua Dobbs manages to uh, extricate him and get himself into that starting role as, as as well as he could possibly play. I don't really think that's a ceiling there. But like you say, I mean, this is a Fredbear team. You look for that depth chart. Look, you think back a year or two ago, and people were talking about the wide receiver core of this team, and people were waxing lyrical about it. Your three starting wide receivers right now are Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Greg Dortch. Zach Hertz is crocked, uh, so you've got Trey McBride as your starting tight end. It's a no-name offensive line. 
And you've got James Conner as running back with... Uh, uh, there's no committee behind him, really. It's a threadbare offense. Well, you, you listed a few wide receiver names there. Um, maybe some of them not everyone's familiar with. Here's another name that I was surprised to see on the list. Rajon Wright, Joe. Talk to me. Rajon Wright. <laughs> talk to me about so, him. Like I said, the names we're picking out here, they're not all for, for purely football reasons. This is for those of you out there who ever watched Last Chance You. Rajon Wright was, um, I guess you'd call him one of the stars of season five at Laney, which was a um, kind of community, a community college in was Oakland, if I remember correctly. You know, Last Chance You, there's a lot of players who kind of get followed through that who you never hear of them again. They're, you know... Little hometown heroes who kind of don't make it in a big world. John Wright kind of looked geared up to be exactly that. But hey, look, he went undrafted in 2023, got picked up by the Panthers. Um, they've got him. So if you were following the career of John Wright or you ever thinking, I wonder what happened to him, or you get round to watching Last Chance You in the future, if you're not got onto it yet. Spoilers. Hey, spoilers. Yeah. He got picked up by a team. Um, but if you're undrafted and you don't make a roster in that first year, it, it's a hard struggle back. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on to a name, I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi here because I'm looking at it on our agenda list and I'm going, Kiki Kuti. That's a name <laughs> I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> But you did hear it a lot at one time. I can, you know, remember in a fantasy circles going back probably two, maybe three years ago, Kiki Kuti had like a couple of game run where he was the best thing since sliced bread. He was a waiver wide darling. Everyone was trying to pick him up. He was basically on every kind of starting lineup. Kiki Kuti was the man and he was a wide receiver breakout. And I think it was, it's just a reminder kind of going into the season not just for people who play fantasy, just for everyone in general, that, you know, a couple of good weeks don't make a summer. And Kiki Kuti had a little run there and, you know, he's back on the scrap heap. There's a lot of teams who need wide receivers who, you know, are carrying six, seven on the roster. He's currently cut and he's without a team. So it just shows you, you know, I think we had an episode called Ozymandias once, but this is another Ozymandias moment. A look on you mighty in despair. So talking about that, Joe, because I'm genuinely interested in this. Kiki Cutie, as you said, he had a couple of weeks where he looked electric. And it would be easy to think that there was something there. Do you think that that can happen with literally anyone? You know, anyone can have a few good weeks if they're good enough to make it into the NFL. Or do you think that says something more about... I don't know, the coaching style or the types of plays that he's being given or the routes that he's expected to run. Has he been let down by the teams that he's been a part of? Or do you think it was just a case of, look, if you're good enough to get into the NFL, you can have a good week, two weeks, three weeks. But unless you're really good, that's where it ends. That's a really good question, Charles. I think that if you've made an NFL roster, you've got down to that last 53, then theoretically you've got the talent to, you know, at least succeed. It, it, it's it's such a strenuous process, such a filtering to get down to that kind of final 53-man roster that, that you've got to have something. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a superstar, but you've got something. And I think that in a situation that 
Kuti found himself in. Now, flash yourself back a couple of years ago. This is when DeAndre Hopkins was still playing for the Texans, I believe. Teams were double, triple coveraging him. Kuti probably found himself in a great situation where, you know, whatever teams it was they were playing those couple of weeks, it's just massively over-indexed to Hopkins. Coverage was being, you know, uh, pivoted elsewhere. Gave him a chance. And, you know, no one had really heard of him before that kind of breakout. It wasn't like he was drafted in a high round. It wasn't like he was a breakout name kind of waiting to happen there. No one was game planning for Kiki Kuti. No one was really worried about what he was going to do. And he took a few chances. Now, the deck kind of gets stacked against you and gets stacked for you. And that week it was just, you know, working out for him. Has he been let down by coaches? Uh, that's that's really hard to say because there's so much really that comes from the player himself and I think probably the majority comes from the player. We're kind of talking about TV shows tonight quite a bit but um, if you look at the untold stories, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, you'll see kind of how important it is for the player to be kind of switched on and doing things himself. So he took a chance and maybe he just didn't have the talent to take chances when he had more than one cornerback looking his way. Yeah. Well, look, cut by the Saints but picked up again by the Dolphins we'll see if he lasts there I mean the Dolphins are seemingly very active at the moment they've been making a lot of trades and and swaps recently so I have no idea what's going on with that team currently it'll be interesting to see whether he can hold on to a position there yeah so like in just kind of you know doing my due diligence for this podcast I checked what the kind of chat was and it doesn't look like he's going to make the roster for them I think it would be a big surprise if he did make the roster for the Dolphins so it's likely that he's going to get cut by two teams this offseason and like we said once you've been cut by that many teams you're not with a team going into the season it's a long way back unless you're Flash Gordon <laughs> Absolutely. every year <laughs> right let's take another look at a, a, another fantasy darling at one point Cade York well, not just a fantasy darling, a darling full stop. I mean, 2022 draft, he was the only place kicker drafted in the fourth round as well, which I mean is pretty high for a kicker, a fourth round pick. Picked up by the Browns, and then he had an absolute dream of a first game. Browns paying the Panthers. It was looking like the Browns were going to lose the game. They were 26-25 down, fourth quarter, seconds ticking away. Cade York, rookie, first game, hits a game-winning 58-yard field goal. 58 yards, rookie, game one in the NFL. And this game as well, he was 4 of 4 for field goals, 2 of 2 for extra points. I mean, yeah, like I said, not just a fantasy darling. He was, for a week or so, the next big name in kicking. And, um, well, he's cut now and not with his team. It just shows you how quickly things can change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in my mind as well, it also, it also says... Why are you drafted a kicker that high? And I would say the same in fantasy as well. You know, you see people reaching for like DST or kicker in like round nine. You're going, what? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting you say that, Chaz, because this offseason, we've seen a lot of kicker movement. We've seen kicker trades. We have, we've yeah. Seen, yeah, we've seen Pats. trades there. Yeah, Pats. I think another team traded for a kicker today. Maybe not today. But yeah, we're seeing kicker movement out there. We're seeing big name kickers who were once relevant, pretty marquee names. I'm talking, you know, Rodrigo um, Blankenship, the little nerd with the glasses who everyone fell in love with. The little nerd with the glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, he was like meme central for a little bit where it was like, oh, look, here's DK Metcalf and here's Rodrigo Blankenship. And oh, look, they play in the same league. Isn't it a funny old game? And there was all of that for a little bit cut without a team gone so 
it, it seems like there's a real kind of brutality at the moment with kickers. And I think most teams are at the point now where they realise they don't have Justin Tucker unless they're the Ravens. So uh, with them not having someone who's going to nail 64-yard field goals, they just want someone who's going to be metronomic from 40 yards. And there's been a lot of players we've seen come into the league who've been names recently, who've made their name kind of getting that 55-yarder, that 58-yarder like it was for Cade York, but weren't as regular at the more pedestrian distances. And that's what teams want. You need to hit every three-pointer and you're going to hit more of them from 40 yards. So interesting to see all these movements. But yeah, keep an eye out for a lot of those names. Uh, Michael Badgley, another name that got cut today. He's been cut by two teams this offseason, again without a team. So um, yeah, pretty harsh on kickers at the moment. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've still got bloody Mason Crosby sniffing around. Oh, ready if you need me, guys. Never say never. <laughs> Right, let's move on to our final, I suppose, few cuts. We're not going to go into these in, in the same level of depth, but we've got Kenyon Drake, James Robinson, Rodrigo, Blakenship, who we mentioned. Anything you want to mention there, Joe? The only thing I want to mention is, look, uh, Kenyon Drake, James Robinson, these were you know, almost workhorse names in the RB market a couple of years ago. Kenyon Drake seems to have always bounced around teams. You know, he was at the Cardinals, he was at the Dolphins, he was at Raiders. He's, he's bounced around a bit, but always showed flashes of talent there. Can never make it stick. James Robinson, I kind of feel a bit hard done by for the guy. He was never really a big player, five foot nine, something like that. But he shone at the Jaguars. Didn't really get on with Urban Mayer. Urban Mayer wanted him gone for whatever reason. There was like a fallout there. But you look at James Robinson's rookie season, and I mean, the numbers and stats kind of back him up. Also remembering for a team that was rarely leading, you know, a team that wasn't that run heavy. Yeah, yeah. And five foot nine people would just put him down as a scat back, you know, uh, receiving back. But uh, he was pounding that ball for the Jags and, you know, really picking up some decent uh, yards per attempt. So it doesn't really feel like James Robinson has done anything wrong in his career. But look, two seasons out from being drafted, finds himself without a team. NFL, not for long, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's circle back on something we spoke about last week because lo and behold, the Raiders have decided to pay Josh Jacobs. Yes, yeah, so we mentioned last week that Jacobs hadn't signed his franchise tender. He still hasn't. This is technically an extension. Deal is for up to $12 million. That's with incentives, though, so he'll have to perform to get that. Similar type deal to what Saquon signed. Look, Jazz, he's putting a brave face on this, saying that he's back, saying that he's happy, that kind of thing. This is hardly putting your finger in the hole in the boat, really. It's a little bit better than the franchise tag, but then again, it's not really that better. Because if you took the franchise tag, you'd be guaranteed to get at least 120% of that franchise tag next year. You're signing this and you're guaranteed absolutely nothing if a team wants to tag you next year. Well, that was going to be my next question, because he's avoided the tag this year. Can he still be tagged next year? He can absolutely be tagged uh, next year. And because he didn't sign the tag this year, he'd basically get what the base tag is next year. If he'd signed the tag this year, he'd be guaranteed at least 120% of what the tag is this year, next year, if he was tagged. And that would probably be more than what the franchise tag will be next year. Assuming that the Raiders were prepared to keep him. Assuming they were. And we don't know if that is the case, Charles, because this Raiders team are rebuilding. They've got a lot to think about there, a lot to do. Do they really want to be paying 
low teens and mid teens money for a running back with you know miles on the clock <laughs> why not just draft someone in the fourth or fifth round and run him into the ground for a few years i just they feel if i'm honest like they're in a weird position to be rebuilding i think we can both admit that they're not a team with playoff ambitions but neither are they a team with a bunch of no names like the cardinals i mean you've still got josh jacobs you've still got Devonte adams you know they're decent names on that team right that's exactly it and it's almost as if they were a front office that was too indecisive a front office that didn't know if they were rebuilding when car went or if they were actually doubling down and that car going freed them up for some reason it probably wasn't going to be the latter but they still didn't really make a choice there so yeah you're absolutely right they're not like the cardinals they're not trading away their best players they're not accumulating picks they're not you know clearly on a downwards trajectory but where they are in their division, in the conference, I mean, you get pretty good odds on Raiders, I don't know, making playoffs, let alone making Super Bowl. And so just to finish up, Charles, one thing you wanted to talk about this week, and I'm I'm sure it's got nothing to do with you being a bitter Green Bay fan, but you wanted to talk about Jets hype and what we're seeing out of New York. Listen, Joe, if I can't rag on the Raiders, then at least let me tear into the Jets. No, look, in all seriousness, I think... The Jets are certainly in a an exciting position. <laughs> I don't want to appear bitter and I don't want to take that away from the fans. Look, the Jets were finally, for the first time in a long time, playing some proper football last season. They have improved their team. There's no doubt about that. I think they're going to be a better team than they were last season. And last season, they were a good team. There's a lot of talk about deep playoff runs and Super Bowls. And I just think that's a few people getting ahead of themselves personally. Look, they've upgraded in the quarterback position, regardless of whether you think Aaron Rodgers is on a downtrend or not. He is a marked improvement upon who they had last season or who they were juggling between. They've got Cook now, who, okay, maybe is not going to push out Hall but it gives them really solid depth in in that kind of running back room and they've got a decent wide receiver or two I think the two areas where they're probably going to be let down the most for me is I'm still not convinced about their offensive line I know we disagree slightly on that but one I don't think it's strong enough generally two I think if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback if you don't protect the hell out of him he gets very upset very quickly and things start to go south in in that scenario. And two, I just don't think they quite have the wide receiver core yet that is going to make the most out of Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I hear that Kiki Kuti is available right now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, listen, I mean, Aaron Rodgers seemingly is petitioning for, uh, you know, people that, that played the game well two or three years ago. So... He might be the perfect candidate, but um, I, I only look, for Green Bay. Yeah, true. I think the Jets will do well. I think will they make playoffs? Yeah, I think they'll make playoffs. I just I don't think it will necessarily be a deep run. I I don't disagree with much of what you're saying there, Charles. I'm far less excited about the Dalvin Cook deal. I feel that team with real Super Bowl ambitions, like we went into a lot of detail with last week, shouldn't be splashing the cash on a player like Dalvin Cook, a player who is... It's not a ton of cash, though, is it? It's enough cash, though. When you think about how strong their defense is, imagine if they'd got like another real good slot cornerback in. Something like that. They, you know, 
doubled down, traded for a real good slot cornerback, traded down for an outside linebacker who's going to really just mess things up even more for that defense. I'd much rather see the cash go there, personally. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. Look, I don't think he was an expensive running back purchase, but I definitely think it was misappropriated funds because running back is not an area where they needed Dalvin Cook level depth. Well, it's also what is the identity of his team? You've signed Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and we know how he likes to play. Like, what is your identity? Are you going to be a free first team? Are you going to be relying on your running backs? Sure, you need to have talent across you know your whole roster. But if you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, and he is at least half of what he should be, then just have a bulldozer, $1 million, $2 million a year kind of type back for the goal line stuff. And, uh, you know, and Brees Hall to do the rest of the stuff surely well this is the thing right because part of me was thinking is it because hall is not necessarily a pass catching back and dalvin cook offers that ability and we know that aaron Rodgers occasionally relied on aaron jones quite a bit in in that kind of similar role but hall is a pass catching back he is certainly a three down back like i don't understand what dalvin cook brings to this team that hall doesn't already deliver outside of depth and then you would say that's a lot of money for simply a depth position as opposed to another area of the team that would slot in and immediately approve that starting line yeah i'd just like to have seen them gone the same way that the eagles have done when they got to the super bowls for last two or three times where mm-hmm. basically they've just doubled down on that defense or doubled down on the line and just bought all the depth in there. They've got a rookie playing running back for them. They've got, you know, rookie wide receivers out there, but they're just going to just double down and get so much talent in that defense that teams are just overwhelmed. That's what I would have liked to have seen the Jets do rather than what is really a luxury deal for Dalvin Cook. And just very briefly on this then, Joe, to finish it off, but... Again, you know, talking of windows and inverting commas and in the way that we like to talk about windows, the Jets are really in one now because they have some of those sweet rookie deals in their defense, in their running backs, in wide receiver. They've got, what, two more years on some of those, maybe three. Aaron Rodgers is going to be declining. They're on borrow time at the moment, right? They need to make this happen in this year or next year, really. Otherwise, they're going to have to rethink everything all over again. Uh, yeah, but I think that this Dalvin Cook deal was almost kind of taking away a bit from that window. When you've got a running back who was as good as Brees Hall, and he was good. I'm not sure how many weeks it was, but I think it was at least two or three weeks that he won Rookie of the Week last year. Until the injury, he was looking that like he could really kind of carry the workload like he needed to. But you've negated that then by going and signing Cook when you could have put that money elsewhere. Cook isn't the upgrade on Brees Hall that they could get an upgrade for in other positions if they spent the money there. So you're right, they're going into that window now where they've drafted well, they have that young talent cheap, and you're only going to have it for probably one more year after this because you'll probably get one more season before Source probably wants a market resetting deal if he continues to have a level that he's at. 
and next year Source will probably become the highest paid cornerback in the league so you've got to find money for that if Garrett Wilson is as good as he looks he'll be looking for well he'll be looking for big money now Justin Jefferson's going to reset the wide receiver market probably quite shortly allegedly the Vikings want to tie him up before week one of this season so he's going to reset the market Chase will come after and probably get like I don't know a million more just so he can say he's reset it Wilson, I don't think, is at their level, but he's going to want to be in the ballpark coming a year later. So you're going to have two massive contracts that you're going to have to pay for year after next. You're going to lose all that benefit of having most drafted high-quality players on the cheap. The Jets should be going all-in to win, and we should be doing it now. Look, the hype is there. I think they're a very solid team. I'm just not buying into it at the moment, but let's see what happens well. Next week, week one. Do they win the AFC East? Do you know what? I <sighs> It, oh my god, that is such because a tough question. I because there's rumours that the Bills are not what they were. That the, a, a, a lot of chat coming out of kind of Bills fan mm. sites and Bills forums is that the Bills are now going on the downward swing, and it could be one of those things of you know rumours of my death were vastly overrated kind of thing. But yeah. uh, could we be seeing the Bills? declining uh patriots still wallowing in whatever they're wallowing in Tua on his fifth concussion protocol could this be the jets chance to win the afc east yeah great question i look i would not be surprised if the bills did have a slight decline and i think part of what makes me think that is what we've discussed previously which is if you don't make enough progression if you simply stand still teams figure you out to a certain extent i don't think the bills have made enough moves in this off season to be markedly different from what they were last season and i think teams that look to line up against them this season may just have a better understanding of how the bills are going to play and the weaknesses that they uncovered last year and and they might be better prepared for it so i think yeah maybe the bills don't win as many games as they did last season Uh, I still think they might do just enough to win the division. Brilliant. Well, Chaz is nailing his colours to the fence pre-season already. Chaz, it's been great fun speaking to you this week. By the time I speak to you next week, we'll be literally days away from season starting. Cannot wait. So yeah, I will speak to you then. I'll be in Portugal, but I will be taking my microphone with me. So I will be sitting there with a beer while we record next time. Mm. Pastel Donatas and NFL, baby. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we roll. That's how we roll. (laughs) Speak next week, Joe. Speak next week, Charles.